It's May the 22nd. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. And here we are, end of the month of May, coming up on Memorial Day, coming up on the summer, and we are deep in the historical books of the Old Testament. We're in the middle or toward the last half of the book of 1 Kings. This is a part of the Bible probably we don't know as well as some of the other parts, and we'll have some comments about that later. Let me just say what a joy it has been to join with you every day. Not long ago, my wife and I were in Florida, Word of Life at the Bible Institute and the Bible Conference. Everywhere we went, we met people who said, we've been listening to you. We've been watching along with you. We get all the comments that you make on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble. Uh, it means a great deal to us. I want to say thank you for those comments. They're tremendous encouragement. So thank you so much. Let me remind you also about First Kings. I said there are three names. If you know these three names, you know you know the key players of First Kings. There's Solomon. Well, we have already dealt with Solomon. He's dead and gone, and the kingdom has split to the north and the south. Israel and Judah, ten tribes and two tribes, and no good kings in the north, maybe about eight good kings in the south. Solomon, we're done with him. We're going to come now to wicked King Ahab. He is a no good nick. He's no good at all. Really bad king. We're going to, you're going to see uh, he was worse than all those who came before him. And then we're going to see the rise of God's mountain man, Elijah the Tishbite, the man from the mountains whom God used to shake Israel, to confront Ahab, to bring a nation back to God. So all of that is before us today. Lord, we want to say, open our eyes, show us wonderful things from your word. We pray today to be changed from the inside out because of the truth of this wonderful word of God. Today, we're going to read 1 Kings 16, 17, and 18. 1 Kings 16. Now the word of the Lord came to Jehu, son of Hanani, against Baasha, because I raised you up from the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel. But you have walked in the ways of Jeroboam and have caused my people Israel to sin, angering me with their sins. Take note, I will eradicate Baasha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Anyone who belongs to Baasha and dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And anyone who is his and dies in the field, the birds will eat. The rest of the events of Baasha's reign, along with all his accomplishments and might, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. Baasha rested with his ancestors and was buried in Tirzah. His son Elah became king in his place. But through the prophet Jehu, son of Hanani, the word of the Lord also had come against Baasha and against his house because of all the evil he had done in the Lord's sight. His actions angered the Lord, and Baasha's house became like the house of Jeroboam because he had struck it down. In the 26th year of Judah's king Asa, Eli son of Baasha became king over Israel, and he reigned in Tirzah two years. His servant, Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him while Eli was in Tirzah getting drunk in the house of Arza, who was in charge of the household at Tirzah. In the 27th year of Judah's king Asa, Zimri went in and struck Eli down, killing him. Then Zimri became king in his place. When he became king, 
As soon as he was seated on the throne, Zimri struck down the entire house of Baasha. He did not leave a single male, including his kinsmen and his friends. So Zimri destroyed the entire house of Baasha. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken against Baasha through the prophet Jehu. This happened because of all the sins of Baasha and those of his sons Elah, which they committed and caused Israel to commit, angering the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. The rest of the events of Eli's reign, along with his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. In the 27th year of Judah's king Asa, Zimri became king for seven days in Tirzah. Now, the troops were encamped against Gibbethon of the Philistines. When these troops heard that Zimri had not only conspired, but also struck down the king, that all Israel made Omri, the army commander, king over Israel that very day in the camp. Omri, along with all Israel, marched up from Gibbethon and besieged Tirzah. When Zimri saw that the city was captured, he entered the citadel of the royal palace and burned it down over himself. He died because of the sin he committed by doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and by walking in the ways of Jeroboam and the sin he caused Israel to commit. The rest of the events of Zimri's reign, along with the conspiracy that he instigated, are written in the historical record of Israel's king. At that time, the people of Israel were divided. Half the people followed Tibni, son of Genoth, to make him king, and half followed Omri. However, the people who followed Omri proved stronger than those who followed Tibni, son of Genath. So Tibni died, and Omri became king. In the 31st year of Judah's king Asa, Omri became king over Israel, and he reigned 12 years. He reigned six years in Tirzah. Then he bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for 150 pounds of silver, and he built up the hill. He named the city he built Samaria, based on the name Shemer, the owner of the hill. Omri did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He did more evil than all who were before him. He walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, in every respect, and continued in his sins that he caused Israel to commit, angering the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. The rest of the events of Omri's reign, along with his accomplishments and the might he exercised, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. Omri rested with his ancestors and was buried in Samaria. His son Ahab became king in his place. Ahab, son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Judah's king Asa. Ahab, son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight more than all who were before him. Then, as if following the sin of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, were not enough, he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and then proceeded to serve Baal and bow and worship to him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole. Ahab did more to anger the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. During his reign, Heel the Bethelothite built Jericho. At the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, he laid its foundation, and at the cost of Segub, his youngest, he finished its gates according to the word of the Lord. He had spoken through Joshua, son of Nun. 1 Kings 17. Jeroboam was bad, and then Elon was bad. Then you got Omri, Zimri, is a no good, just going down. But Ahab, he was the worst. You got it? He's the worst. He married 
He married that snake Jezebel. Married the wrong woman. There's going to be a price to pay. He married the wrong woman, dragged the whole nation down. 1 Kings 17. God is now going to be heard of. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide at the wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he proceeded to do what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived at the Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he would drink from the Wadi. After a while, the Wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Get up, go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now, I'm preparing a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty and the oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. After this, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. His illness got worse until he stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, man of God, what do you have against me? Have you come to call attention to my iniquity so that my son is put to death? But Elijah said to her, give me your son. So he took him from her arms, brought him up to the upstairs room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come into him again. So the Lord listened to Elijah and the boy's life came into him again and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy, brought him down from the upstairs room into the house and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know you are a man of God and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. First Kings 18, God has prepared his man. Gave him a one-sentence sermon to Ahab. The famine came. He goes to the brook. He goes to the widow in Zarephath, which is in Sidon, which is Canaanite territory. God is with him there. Now, in this chapter, the showdown, the battle of the gods. After a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Go and present yourself to Ahab. 
Abelson rain on the surface of the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord and took a hundred prophets and hid them 50 men to a cave and provided them with food and water when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets. Ahab said to Obadiah, go throughout the land, every spring into every water. Wadi, perhaps we'll find grass so that we can keep the horses and mules alive and not have to destroy any cattle. They divided the land between them in order to cover it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went the other way by himself. While Obadiah was walking along the road, Elijah suddenly met him. When Obadiah recognized him, he fell face down and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? It is I, he replied. Go tell your lord, Elijah is here. But Obadiah said, What sin have I committed that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my lord has not sent someone to search for you. When they said he is not here, he made that kingdom or nation swear they had not found you. Now, you say, go tell your Lord, Elijah is here. But when I leave you, the Spirit of the Lord may carry you off to some place I don't know. Then when I go report to Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Wasn't it reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets? I gave a hundred of the prophets of the Lord, 50 men to a cave, and I provided them with food and water. Now you say, go tell your Lord, Elijah's here. He will kill me. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of armies lives in whose presence I stand today, I will present myself to Ahab. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is that you, the one ruining Israel? He replied, I have not ruined Israel, but you and your father's family have because you have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. Now, summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. They are to choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and place it on the wood, but not like the fire. I will prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not like the fire. Then you call in the name of the Lord your God, and I will call in the name of the Lord. And the God who answers with fire, he is God. All the people answered and said, that's fine. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first and call on the name of, of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, shout loudly. For he's a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he has wandered away. Or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. They shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. All afternoon, they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. So all the people approached him. 
Then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar with the stones in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold about four gallons. Next, he arranged the wood, cut up the bull and placed it on the wood. He said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the offering to be burned and on the wood. Then he said a second time, and they did it a second time. Then he said a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He even filled the trench with water at the time for offering the evening sacrifice. The prophet Elijah approached the altar and said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah ordered them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and slaughtered them there. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a rainstorm. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah went to the summit of Carmel. He bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, Go up and look toward the sea. So he went up, looked, and said, There is nothing. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. On the seventh time he reported, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand coming up from the sea. Then Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, get your chariot ready and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. In a little while, the sky grew dark with clouds and wind and there was a downpour. So Ahab got in his chariot and went to Jezreel. The power of the Lord was on Elijah and he tucked his mantle under his belt and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Friends, that is a good story. <laughs> oh, the story of Ahab. Ahab. I think it was R.G. Lee who said of Ahab, that wicked toad squatting on the throne of Israel. And Jezebel, that evil snake coiled around the throne. Ahab was already wicked and evil. You would never marry a woman like Jezebel if you were walking with the Lord. But he was already bad, but he married her and she dragged him down into, into this gross idolatry. You know, I said at the beginning of chapter 17, God is going to be heard from. God will be heard from. Things get bad. God will be heard from. Men turn away from God. God will be turned from. Men laugh at God's commandments and they, uh, and they rebel against him and they do what is right in their own eyes. They go down and down and down. But let me tell you, friends, in the end, our God will be heard from. And, uh, you know, he didn't get one of the seminary boys. <laughs> he didn't get some highfalutin PhD. He got himself a mountain man, you know. A mountain man with some calluses on his hands and dirt under his fingernails and 
probably uh, could, uh, we would say, butcher the king's English, so to speak. He got Elijah the Tishbite from some little town up in the mountains of Gilead. This is a, you know, a hit from the stick, so to speak. Though clearly, Elijah is a very brilliant man and very powerful, very courageous, but a, a mountain man. When uh, God needs a job done, a big job, he gets a, a, a strong man, powerful man, maybe a man the world's overlooked, and he says, I'm going to use you in a great way. So uh, James says, we'll talk about this more tomorrow. Elijah was a man of like passions as us, with he just like us in so many ways. Read about Elijah, and I know I'm not even talking about the, 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 the widow of Zarephath and the raising of the son, the bringing me all of that. There's, there's just too much here to talk about. I want you to go out and have a great day. Let's pray. May the spirit of Elijah fall on us today. Make us courageous. God never leaves himself without a witness in this world. God will be heard from. Men can mock him. They can ignore him. But our God will speak. And when he speaks, you will be heard. God will be heard from. So go out and have a great day, folks. Remember, our God knows what he's doing. We're part of his plan. Go out and have a great day. Serve the Lord. Stand up for Jesus without fear, without favor, without compromise. Come on back tomorrow. Oh, man, this story, Elijah's story is going to take quite a turn. God bless you, folks. See you back here tomorrow.